Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Marzi. And you're listening to the third episode of Game Misconduct. Okay, so normally this is kind of where we would recap what's been happening like in the actual sport of hockey. Um, we've done like obviously the Stanley Cup and the results of that. Um, but today we're going to flip the format a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about ourselves and then later we're going to talk about hockey. Uh, so I've put together just four questions here so you guys can get to know us a little bit better. Um, and so the first one is going to be, what are you passionate about? Do you want to answer first? I'm going to like try to keep to not hockey stuff. I feel like <laughs> by now you can tell I'm kind of a little bit passionate about hockey, a little bit passionate about hockey analytics. But besides that, I actually work in um theater. I, I do stage management. So I'm very passionate about the arts and the importance of the arts, uh, not just for sort of people who are like professionals in them, but also as something accessible to, you know, people with real jobs that do things like pay money and have salaries <laughs> and fun stuff like that, that we don't get over here and want to like try out acting or, you know, play with some lights for a little bit. Absolutely. Anything else like not important that you're passionate about, like silly things? I'm very passionate about nurse sharks. Yes. They're like, <laughs> I I just fucking love them. They're so cute. They sleep in little cuddle puddles on the floor of the ocean and um, fucking <laughs> love that. And I'm passionate about the fact that New Haven has the best pizza in the world. I feel like you're going to have to prove that to me at some point, but I will take your word for it. I mean, it's definitely not fucking Ohio. It's better than fucking <laughs> Ohio. Um, which I will be a resident of for only a week um, as of this episode coming out. It'll be one more week and I will no longer be an Ohio resident, which is exciting. Uh, Kane's country coming my way. Um, but yeah, stuff. I'm going to also stay away from hockey in my answer because obviously I'm passionate about hockey. Um, so I work in education. Um, specifically, I work in higher education, but I will be focusing on my own education in grad school. Um, but I focus on educational inequity, specifically in the South, and I have a large focus on like coal and steel industry towns. Um, so making specifically STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and math education accessible to these populations. But I'm also very passionate about my cat's happiness. If you ever hear meow in the background, that is Miss Dolly Purton. My favorite um, niece. <laughs> she is very important to me. And she's very, very in love with her uncle. Um, can hear the voice right now. And she's having a time. And <laughs> I'm also very, very passionate about how it feels to drive with the windows down in the summer with country music on. That's like my Maybe. happy place. Baby, you a song. You make me want to roll my windows <laughs> down and cruise. All right. Moving past that, because that song <laughs> triggers so many memories from college. Um, what's on your bucket list? Um, see, that's kind of a tough one. I would love to go to a playoff NHL game sometime. Sorry, hockey again. It is what it is. <laughs> um, I'd also love to visit Germany. I'm like, oh yeah, vaguely German. I mean, I'm like fairly German as as Ashkenazi Jews tend to be. So, yeah, I also put traveling. I kind of put that as like that's kind of like my obvious one. Um, I want to go to Puerto Rico. 
visit where I'm from. Um, and then also like for some reason I'm very entranced by like seeing the Northern lights in Norway. Like I don't want to go to Canada to see them or Alaska. I want to go to Norway and like be in the Arctic circle and see them. It's like um, the full experience. Right. Like if I'm going to do it, I want to do it. Right. And then I obviously want to finish my PhD, keep doing research, all that nerd shit. But I also like want to put my kids, future kids, I should clarify, into hockey. Like I want to like share this sport with like my kids and watch them kind of grow up in it in a way that I was not able to really do as a kid in the South. Um. So we'll talk about that very soon on an upcoming episode of classism and hockey and the South and all of that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm one of those people that's like had like a baby name list since I was like 12. So it's like put them into hockey. That's one of my bucket list items. <laughs> okay. Um, what was your favorite hockey memory from this past 22, 23 season? Like in the sport? Yeah. Okay, so, like, I went to a couple of Pens games. Not my favorite memories, although, like, watching the Isles play golf off of Casey dismissed Dick <laughs> was pretty awesome. Um, I did, I went to probably one of my favorite memories was I went to um, a Devils-Canucks game with my dad, and the Canucks almost had it, which is, like, if you know anything about the Canucks, that's pretty big for us. <laughs> I love that. (laughs) Um, so I actually didn't get to go to many games this past year. Um, so I have kind of two. Um, and I I was not directly involved in either of these, but they're just very fond memories. The first one was like when Kirill Kaprizov came back from injury, and the only thing the press release said was he's back. I thought that was iconic as fuck. I thought it was hilarious because like he'd been out for a month at that point and everyone was like when the fuck is our star player can I come back right right and Um, he's back he's back and then my other one um my friend from college so my freshman year roommate um shout out to her she listens to the podcast she went to Chris Letang's um like 500th game and she didn't realize before she went that that was the game she was going to, but she was had really good seats because um, a friend's dad got them for her and a friend. And she's in the background <laughs> making the worst face both of them are in like all of the pictures the pens put on Instagram. And so being able to clown her for like having a picture with Chris, like Chris Letang technically and then like them doing her dirty was amazing. <laughs> funny okay so this one is kind of silly but sum the other person your co-host up in five words or less okay um (laughs) i'm ready i'm ready i've got this and i'm not even gonna steal your twitter bio even though i could um (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go with fruity cat dad wild fan yeah okay that's very fair um mine I put okay does it count as two words if it says q hughes and there's no space between them no that's like one word okay um q hughes lover funny charismatic dweeb yeah I'll take it I'll take it (laughs) I was like I think that's the best way I can sum you up 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I really can't argue with anything there. Uh, but yeah, that was our little get to know you kind of in place of our hockey update since basically this whole episode is a hockey update. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed getting to know us a little bit. And now we're going to transition to our five minute major. Yeah, so our five minute major for this week was just rate limit exceeded. That was a very dark day on Twitter for Elon to do that to us. Because... Oh my god. I was like relying on the fucking NHL app, which we all know is such a piece of shit for like knowing where my like little my faves have been traded to. I'm like, I have Marzi in my text refreshing cap friendly. I was okay. So I had it split between cap friendly and like TSN's Canada like website. And I couldn't watch any of the video clips because it kept telling me this content's only available in Canada. I was fighting for my life. Oh my God. And like every time I like got to see like three more tweets, it would just be other people complaining about the like rate limit exceeded. And I'm like, stop. <laughs> like, I just need to know if they've traded Brian Dumoulin yet. Literally, I was trying to keep up with like the like beat writers or the teams I cared about. So I added them to a Twitter list. So it would just look like a mini timeline of like um, free agency updates. <laughs> and like for some reason that worked you could see tweets if they were on a list um and I it was miserable like why did that happen <laughs> oh my god I like wouldn't even do that because it would just be so embarrassing to me like they can see that you've added them to a list and I'm like I'm shy <laughs> <laughs> I have no fucking shame I needed to know what was happening with Ryan Reeves immediately we'll get to what happened with Ryan Reeves later in the episode <laughs> In honor of this being our episode about draft day and free agency, we are going to do a little draft game of random things. Um, so our first thing is NHL mascots. And I do not have first pick because I lost the draft lottery on this one. Take it away. What is your first round pick for NHL mascots? Okay, my first round pick, like, undoubtedly has to be iceberg of the pittsburgh penguins not only because i fucking love the penguins but because that beast has murder in its eyes okay so you didn't take my first round pick but i very much appreciate that pick i just uh, think like it's got an air to it he's he's seen some shit and he's been through some shit exactly um, so speaking of mascots that have seen some shit, my first round pick is going to be Bowie from the Seattle Kraken. Oh man. Because I mean, I... he, his beef with Paul Bissonnette is my highlight of like NHL mascot Twitter. I think he speaks for all of us, honestly. Like He's a King. man of the people. I don't know why the fuck their mascot's a troll. But I, I'm obsessed with them. So my first round pick is Bowie. All right. Um, I'm going to have to go for my second pick. I, I have to go with what I'm sure everyone was expecting was going to get named at some point here. Gritty. You motherfucker. <laughs> that was my second pick. I know that, like, I'm a Pens fan and I'm... A little bit of a Flyers hater, 
but Gritty is just like, I don't have to like his team, but I want him on my team. I don't, what I'm saying is I don't want him against <laughs> me. I I don't want to be like, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley is what I'm saying. Yeah. And so you keep your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> I didn't put Gritty at first just because I have such a hatred for the Flyers. <laughs> so like, and that's because we're both Pens fans. That comes with the territory. Right. Um, but that's why he was not my first round pick. Um, so my second pick from the Toronto Maple Leafs is going to be Carlton the Polar Bear. I think he's underappreciated. I think he's fucking adorable. He's got the cutest little face. I like don't like mascots. I genuinely like it freaks me out most of the time. Um, but he's cute. He's precious. No, he's really adorable. You just want to like squeeze him. I like that they kept like the teddy bear features. Yes. So yeah, my second pick was Carlton the Bear. Okay, for my third round pick, I'm like really putting together a lineup here. So bear with me. From the Washington <laughs> Capitals, I'm going to go with Slapshot. Again, oh. not, not the kind of beast I would want to meet in a dark alley. Okay, I think we're building our teams here very differently. <laughs> I, I have to agree with you. I'm like... <laughs> I'm going for pure, like, raw power here. Like, these are some guys who I think could throw the fuck down. Okay, see, I was going with guys that would treat you right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. So my third pick is from the Winnipeg Jets, Mick E. Moose. He's a oh. moose. He's adorable. The name's hilarious. So, and also, I feel like he could also throw down. I feel like he's our goon. Uh-huh. No, I get that. Yeah. I think like if it came to it, he would he would be ready. Yeah. So my third pick, Mickey Moose. Okay. My fourth pick from the Buffalo Sabres is Sabretooth. Okay, yeah. I can see like, that. He's just he's so adorable and his signature's a paw print. Uh, and I do also think, like, if necessary, like, I've got my three my three goons here if I'm building, like, a physical team. But I don't think that Sabretooth would, like, shy away from a little contact. Yeah. I think that he he's definitely, like, not a defensively mind, minded guy. But, like, he'd get down. Right. Right. Okay. So my fourth pick from the Minnesota Wild is Nordy. I think he's a bear. He's supposed to be a bear, but he's just got something evil in his eyes. While he is cute, there's like something evil in his eyes. Yeah. I mean, the Minnesota wild in general seems to kind of have a problem with animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and also I like his, he has his own Jersey number. Um, and I think that's cute. What is his Jersey number? Um, it's 18,001. Okay. Yeah. I guess nobody else would have that. <laughs> um, I think it might be like a reference to the number of lakes or something like that. Oh yeah. It's the land of 10,000 lakes, right? I think so. I definitely could be completely wrong on why his number is 18,000. Um, but I appreciate him. It's good. It's good. Okay. okay. For my... 
for my final fifth pick, I am going to go with from the Montreal Canadiens, UP. Okay, that's a good choice. I something about him is just like like he's ready. I don't know. I think he could throw down. Like, I don't know what he's ready for, but he's ready. (laughs) Um I have to agree. He's also like, that's just a man. (laughs) It's literally just some dude. Like that's just I just drafted like some fucking guy. <laughs> um <clears throat> I'm really surprised you did not take my fifth pick. Um my fifth pick from the San Jose Sharks is Sharky. I love Sharky so much, but my team, like I said, I was sort of building for more of a like raw physicality that I feel like Sharky mm-hmm. doesn't embody. Yeah, Sharky, like, he's a lover, not a fighter. Right. We will come back to our next round of our draft, which is going to be Expansion Cities, but that will be after we go over the highlights of the draft. We're going to go through the top 10 guys, and of course, we're going to talk about Tyler Peddle. Like, onto the real draft, which was maybe a little bit more carefully considered and serious than our <laughs> mascots draft, although not by much, you know. Um, so as we expected, Bedard went to Chicago. Yeah. So everyone kind of knew this one was gonna happen. This was obviously not a surprise. And he kind of was like that guy that like the Connor McDavid like effect where it's like everyone knew he was going to go first like before he officially went first um he had 71 goals in the WHL this season 143 points which is crazy and that's not even talking about his like world juniors like fucking performance no yeah I mean there's like absolutely no doubt that his scoring talent is unmatched and the it's a he's a good kid. Like he refused to say that he was going first until he went first, and then he refused to say he was going to make the team. Like after he got picked first, like dude, they're building the team around you, right? And it's like it's good to sort of have like a good head on your shoulders. It's especially like I really hope he has like a really decent support system and stuff, especially mm-hmm. entering that organization. Um, it's like. When you have sort of the hopes of like a whole franchise on you, oh my god, I can't even imagine it. Yeah, they he's under so much pressure to perform, and if he doesn't perform this season, they're gonna fucking like disown him. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but I from what we've seen, I think there's there's a huge like gap when it comes to translating prospects into NHL players, and a lot of fans sort of don't realize that, and they don't realize that the way that a prospect plays in the lower levels doesn't always translate to the way that they'll play or the the success they'll have on an NHL level. With that all being said, like he is elite and I expect that he'll continue to demonstrate that in this coming season. Yeah, I'll be very interested um, in seeing how it translates for him going from, I think the WHL plays 68 games in the regular season to 82 And also there's like 10 less teams. So learning how all of these different teams play, that's kind of like the translation there that's so different for these prospects. 
Um, cause like 68 to 82 games doesn't sound like a lot like of a difference, but like that's adding in back-to-back games every now and then, like that's putting more pressure on them, more exhaustion. And so it's always really important to like, remember like these prospects aren't coming from like teams that are playing 82 games a year. And that's just like regular season. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he translates that. And I think he'll be fine. And I think the fans are of course already obsessed with him. So I think it's totally cool and he's going to have a good season. I'm supporting him. Yeah. All right. On to the number two pick. This one was actually kind of a shocker. And as of uh, the day we're recording this, he's just signed his entry level contract with the Mm -hmm. Anaheim Ducks, Leo Carlson. I was Um, surprised by this one. I really, really expected them to take Fantilli, but I don't think Fantilli was what they needed. No, I know a lot of people were were upset because they felt Fantilli was better. But the fact is that Fantilli isn't what the Ducks needed. No, Leo is a big boy. He is like a very, like, he's not like a huge center, but like he is a bigger center and the Ducks have smaller guys. That's just kind of how they are. I mean, you look at like Jamie and Trevor, like those guys need someone that's going to work his way up and be a big guy to center because they needed that size more than they needed anything with Adam. Right. And like, I know that, you know, a lot of the Ducks fans were really excited for Adam Fantley. There were some guys with pre-made jerseys, which just goes (laughs) to show why you probably shouldn't do that. But, you know, Leo Carlson is, I mean, he's incredible. He's already signed his contract. He's like 6'3 already and still growing. And he's also a really skilled player. Like beyond being just what they need, he was still top three. Everyone just thought he was going three instead of two. It's not as Mm -hmm. though they, you know, jumped down another like 10 or 20 players somehow. Yeah, no, that was like he was going to go top three. It was just kind of crazy that like a lot of people really did not expect him to be in that second position. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that definitely like was an interesting thing to see. And it was nice. Adds a little, you know, spice when you've got such a sort of guaranteed first pick. Mm -hmm. So we've already talked about him a little bit, but our third pick with the Columbus blue jackets was Adam Fantilli. I was really happy about this pick. He has friends that he plays with in Michigan um, on this team already. His friend later in the draft got drafted to the Blue Jackets. So he's experiencing this with a strong support system. That was a very cute moment. It was so precious. I, I just, I love when you can obviously tell, like, they love the sport. They already love their teammates. Like, it's, he's going to do well because he's being set up to do well. Yeah, and I mean, coming from a program like UMish, which puts out such a high quantity of really skilled players, like, you can see that he's already had a fair amount of development, um, which is a good thing considering uh, that the Blue Jackets aren't really known for that, especially now that they're bringing in Babcock, who um, is best known for his verbal abuse of young star players. I just having that support system is going to be pretty essential. Mm -hmm. I, I really look forward to seeing how this season shapes up. He's already signed his entry contract and which makes me a little sad for you, Mish, because he's no longer allowed to play for them because of NCAA rules. 
Um, but I am looking forward to seeing him in Columbus. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So number four uh, for the San Jose Sharks was Will Smith. And yes, he's already heard the jokes about the name. <laughs> so much so that his walk-up song he picked for the draft was the theme song for the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, this one was, I believe, people weren't sure whether he'd go fourth or fifth. Uh, mm-hmm. But it makes sense. The Sharks are bad. Uh, the sharks are bad the sharks have been bad Mm -hmm. they they need more more playmakers i would say like what will smith does best i mean he's absolutely a scorer he put up like 127 points in the national team development program but his his real talent lies in playmaking and a lot Mm -hmm. of the time the sharks are just so sort of lackluster on the ice that like this is really the sort of prospect they need yeah and we won't see will this season he's gonna go to boston college um where he'll be playing with a couple other draft picks and he'll get some more development in before he gets up to the league which is great he has a little bit of a defensive not like deficit because he's really good but like He's got some work to do before he's playing um, 82 games, but I really look forward to seeing what he does at Boston College this year and seeing how that development goes for him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and with the fifth pick, Montreal (laughs) took David Reinbacher and a very unfortunate experience for Mr. Carey Price. (laughs) Oh, that was just, that was so sad. I mean, I really respected that, like, instead of pushing through and trying to, like, and and fucking up this kid's name, he just looked for help. But at the same time, like, he clearly hadn't been prepped enough. I don't know. It was just Mm -hmm. lots of bad decisions all around. I really felt bad for all parties involved because you could tell that, like, Carrie was very, like, embarrassed by it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking of unfortunate situations with unfortunate reactions, a lot of Canadians fans were not happy with this move. Which I felt very strongly upset about because, first of all, I think people forget that these are children, 17, 18-year-olds, um, these guys are have no choice in where they're drafted. He was a great pick. He's a strong defenseman. Um, he's got some development to do, but I, I don't know, really not know. Really, if, oh, well, he's got a little bit, but I don't know if Montreal's in the market for being picky. <laughs> well, so the issue here was like people felt they should have taken Matvey Michkov, who we'll get to a little bit later. Um, for one thing, the Habs could use some defense. They have, you know, elite scorers and playmakers. They have Cole Caulfield. They have Nick Suzuki. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, overall, they need development, but they don't have as many really strong, talented defensemen as they might. And another really positive thing here is that Reinbacher has been playing with grown men. Mm-hmm. He played last year in their top professional league. 
And unlike Michkov, he's available right now. He could sign a contract as early as, you know, this year, whereas Michkov still has some time to grow. And for a team like the Canadians, that's not starting to rebuild, but is sort of mid-rebuild, it's that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Having a prospect who you can sign now instead of waiting can be really helpful. And they need strength at the blue line. Like, that's just what that like I feel like people when the draft happens expects their team to be like I'm gonna pick the best available player when it's really it's picking the best available player that's going to be beneficial for the team right I mean that depends sort of on your GM's draft strategy but ultimately what I feel and what a lot of GMs feel is that you need to pick a player to build your team not a player to build your team around Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that Mishkov is not a very talented player. Um, he's just not what they need right now. And even if he was what they need right now, they wouldn't have him immediately. Right. Uh, more defensemen with pick six. The Coyotes took Dmitry Simashev. Again, people were surprised by this. Um, just taking him over Mishkov. But he's really strong on the blue line. He's not, he's not a particularly offensive defenseman, but again, uh, much like uh, Reinbacher, he's been playing in a professional league with adults. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of what you're seeing of his ability will translate to the NHL in a way that um, playing in a junior league, the the WHL might not. And he's a huge guy. Like this kid is six, four and I think he has the potential to be good offensively once he grows into those limbs. Cause you have to imagine how awkward it is to be suddenly six, four playing the sport and not knowing what to do with all that size. Um, I think once he like kind of grows up a little bit and gets used to it, he's going to be really talented on both sides of the ice. Um, but he's good on the blue line right now. Yeah, Absolutely. I think like the one major drawback for him is um, what people like to call the Russian factor, which has to do with both the tense geopolitical situation between the U.S. and Russia right now, but also the fact that Russia likes to keep Russian players. Um, They have Mm -hmm. their own professional hockey league, the KHL. And we've seen before, you know, with Evgeny Malkin, things like that, how um, it can take time for a Russian player to come over and to get a Russian player. Um, That being said, like, he's an incredible player. Uh, He's expressed his desire to come play in the NHL, which is really the most important factor there. And I think he's going to be a great fit for the Coyotes organization. Yeah, and it's always a challenge to get the Russian picks over here. That's just kind of the risk and reward factor, mostly that these GMs are thinking about. I mean, even if you look at, like, Kirill Kaprizov, like, one of the best, like, people that have touched the ice in Minnesota, we didn't get him until he was 25. He was 25 when he debuted as a rookie, and that's because they kept him in his contract, and he finished his contract, Um, and then he finally came over here when he was, like, released from that. Right. Uh, Number seven, the Philadelphia Flyers. We've already talked about him a bit, Matvey Michkov. Um. Mm -hmm. He's incredible. Like, he really, really is incredibly talented. He's really a full 200-foot player already. Um, 
he his playmaking his scoring it's all incredible so the question sort of there is why did he fall this low again the Russian factor you know he's for sure locked into a contract for at least one more year if not more um and Mm -hmm. you know it can be difficult to bring Russian players over at times there have also been discussions about attitude problems um personally I don't know how much stock I'd put into them uh, especially because a lot of them are coming from his former coaches in Russia who, you know, might have a vested interest in there not being a lot of demand for him in the U.S. Um, I think that that sort of thing, there's also been a lot of people saying really great positive things. I think, you know, trying to claim that, like, this kid for sure has attitude problems is going to be an issue in the locker room. Like, I just wouldn't be so sure. And I think it's a bold claim to say that about a teenage boy. Um, Yeah. I think that some coaches are going to perceive certain attitudes as like disrespectful or like not healthy for a locker room when they're just, I I mean, we talked about Babcock. I'm sure that he perceives certain attitudes as negative. So I don't know how much stock I put in like an ex-coach saying that. Right. Um, so in the eighth pick, the Washington Capitals took Ryan Leonard. Um, he is, I mean, he was a pretty obvious pick to me. I was really the, he was really the one that I thought they were going to take. Um, they were, I think their fans were hoping that Mishkov kept falling for them. And so I definitely, him. I definitely saw some Caps fans saying, you know, like, fingers crossed, Mishkov to the Caps. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Ryan Leonard, homegrown American boy, sort of big, sort of physical. He definitely fits the Caps style. Yeah, and I think um, he's very earnest, very eager. The interviews of him, he looks like he's ready to work. Um, He played on, like, the U.S. National U18 team with Will Smith. They played together. I really think that this is a kid that, even though he didn't go top five, he very easily fits into the top ten here. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. And I think, you know, that's a really great thing for the Capitals as sort of their their former, like, dynamic core, their former, like, dominant core mm-hmm. fades, you know, out with age. They're going to need to start the process of, of rebuilding and of rebuilding another young, strong core. And, you know, there's definitely, like, benefits to sort of changing your play style entirely. But I think, like, there's nothing, you know... I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to start building a core with like a similar play style, a similar attitude. It makes the transition easier. Yeah. And I, I was looking at like the mock drafts before we got on and I believe that they have him going fifth and most of the mock drafts. So this is still an excellent pick to get at eight. Yeah. I, this was a pretty, pretty deep draft here. There was a lot of shuffling that like I, didn't entirely expect but I think a lot of it makes sense kind of looking back yeah with pick number nine the Detroit Red Wings picked Nate Danielson um so I didn't actually know a lot about him before kind of looking in to him after the draft 
Um, but he's joining a team and we'll talk about free agency that is going to be a strong Red Wings team. Like say what you want about the Red Wings and I'm not typically one to call them a strong team, but they've had some good additions in free agency that I think he'll fit around. Yeah. I, he's, he's a really solid player. He's definitely like, I wouldn't say he has any particularly notable weaknesses. And I think like at this stage in sort of the Red Wings, like I really think I have, I have high hopes for them this season and these coming seasons. And I think like adding like a really, a player who they can sort of fit into their team wherever they need him is like just a really great thing for them. Mm-hmm. They're they're They've got, you know, Moritz Sider, they've got their sort of young star and they need guys who they can put into they don't need a guy to build a team around. They need a guy to add to their team. And I think that Nate Danielson is going to be great for that. I agree. Yeah. So um, with the final pick, we're going to talk about pick number 10, the St. Louis Blues pick Dalibor Dvorsky. Um, he was another one that fell lower than the predicted uh, draft. He was supposed to, well, not supposed to, but they predicted that he was going to go six or seventh. Um, and I think that this is a great steal. Uh, Swedish Hockey League um, played for Slovakia in the World Juniors in 2022. I think he's a good pick for 10. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, predicted to go a little higher, fell. Uh, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the Blues. I don't have a lot of great things to say about them or yeah. about their organization. Um but as a player, I think Tvorsky is really solid. He's he's very strong. Um, playing with the Swedes, he's put up some some good numbers, some good points. Like I think he's going to look great with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the last pick I do want to talk about, I want to talk about Mister Two Hundred and Twenty Four, last pick, last round, Tyler Petal, who was taken by the Columbus Blue Jackets. I okay, so the NFL has Mr. Irrelevant, who is their last guy that gets drafted, and he gets a special jersey. They send him on like a trip and stuff. It's like they celebrate their last pick. And I really love that everyone's kind of um crowding around Tyler Peddle now and kind of supporting him and everything because I no one like he didn't expect to go last. He wasn't projected to go last. He was definitely someone that fell a little far. Um, but he's got such a great attitude. Yeah. I think, you know, he's been so positive about the whole thing. He stayed in his seat to hear if his name was being called. I mean, the Habs traded up quote unquote to get that pick. (laughs) Um, and I just think like the fact that there's been so much fan support for him and so many people like saying, you know, you hear so much about the big stars, the Connor Bedards, the guys who go one through 10 and to have, you know, this guy who sort of, who knows whether he'll make it in the NHL or not to have this outpouring of fan support for him is just very sweet. And he does have a 15 year old little brother. Um, that's also plays and we might be seeing here in a couple years. And I, I just love when there's like brothers, I find it so sweet that, uh, Kachucks, the Hughes, uh, <laughs> I was going to say other ones, but then I remember the Stahl brothers <laughs> exist. Oh, well, most brothers, <laughs> most brothers. <laughs> um, but I always just think it's like really sweet when there's like family members or even just like 
Sarah and Darnell nurse their cousins. I like when there's like obviously like a family that has a culture of hockey and like a support system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Tyler Peddle, he's going to work his way up. The kid has a lot of heart. Absolutely. Heart. And he's got drive. So I just think, yeah. All right. So with that sort of the real draft all wrapped up, we're going to move on to another one of our fake draft games. Uh, <laughs> this one is about expansion cities. What should the next expansion city be? Let's draft it. And for this one, Marcy's going to pick first. All right, so I went back and forth on my first pick, and this is one that's definitely been talked about, um, but I think it'd be sick as hell. Um, so I am with my first pick. I say we bring back Kansas City as a hockey city. Oh. Their team went to Denver, went to New Jersey. I just think that Kansas City – Southern hockey market's growing. I think that this time around, they'll be able to fill seats a lot more than the first time around. Absolutely. It's a good one. Um, For my first pick, uh, this was, Marcy suggested this category, and the second he he mentioned it, I knew exactly what my first pick was going to be. It's time to bring back the Quebec Nordiques. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) Fuck! Because if there's one thing we don't have enough of, it's Canadian hockey teams. (laughs) We took very different routes. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I miss them. I I miss them. You know, I think the Canadian teams need a little bit of like a kick in the pants. They like get off their asses and start winning again. And what better way to do that than bringing back an iconic franchise? I had them at three. Um, so I support that. I have to adjust my picks now. <laughs> okay, so my second pick. I think this is an obvious one. I think the amount of like cheese themed things that they could do is enough to sell me on their team. And that is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. They have a huge high school like hockey culture. They have a huge college hockey culture. I think they would have no trouble filling seats and their mascot could be cheese themed. I mean, you've got me like with the cheese themed mascot. That's perfect. I really think it sells it. I'm like, I'm ready to buy in. Um, <laughs> My second pick, this was also one that I sort of knew right away. Um, I would love to bring back the Hartford Whalers specifically yeah. because my dad misses them so much and (laughs) that way he'll stop being a devil's fan i think bringing back the hartford whalers is really important to me also i also had them on my list yeah i'm i'm glad like we're seeing eye to eye here (laughs) okay um so my next one a little bit of uh out of left field for pick three I'm going to say New Orleans. Oh, I think it's intriguing. I think any in New Orleans loves a reason to like drink and gather. That's like they love the Saints. I really think that it would be sick as hell like to have like Creole hockey. I think like that would be great. And also, I think that they could also post all of their shit also in French and Montreal can quit having a monopoly on that in the NHL. 
Exactly. Yeah. For my next pick, um, I am going to go back to the South and I'm going to say, hear me out, Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. I think like it's right by Texas. We need more Southern hockey. And like the fact is like sports culture is huge in the South and it's huge in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And if we can, you know, we can sort of take that that culture and use it and build on it for hockey. It's not like we don't have the technology for hockey rinks down there. I think, you know, we could make it happen. Yeah, and I think when we focus on growing the game, so many people get trapped in this idea that you have to grow the game in areas where the game is already huge. And I think that's counterintuitive. You give people in the South something to root for and a team to identify with. Have you seen how passionate we get about college football? Oh my God, I know. And it's like, that's just college football. This is a whole professional sport. Yeah, I think you give someone in the South something to root for and they're going to root for it. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm also sticking to the South in my fourth pick. Hear me out. I think we bring back the Atlanta Thrashers. Ah, I knew this one was going to come up. That was my fifth pick. I think last time their management didn't handle them well, and I think the city didn't enjoy where the rank was based in and a lot of different reasons. I think it needs to be a little bit outside of the city just so we're not – stepping on the toes of the communities in Atlanta anymore um, because that is a huge issue of people trying to buy out the communities that have lived in Atlanta for years obviously that's going to be an issue in any city but especially these southern cities um, where populations are more at risk than others I think Atlanta done right would be a really fantastic market again yeah no I I absolutely see that um Okay, for my, this is my fourth, right? hmm Yeah. Okay, for my fourth pick, I am going to go with Portland, Maine. Oh, because fantastic pick. I All of New England needs more than one hockey team. hmm Let me just say that. And, like, it's right next to Canada. They already come over all the time for, you know, Sabres games and stuff. So if you can dab into the Canadian market up there, as well as the fact that there's like nothing to freaking do in Maine, it'll be great. I think that's a really fantastic idea. Um, So my fifth pick, I went back and forth on this one. Um, So I thought about a couple cities that maybe a second team like kind of like the New York sitch that's going on. Um, Like Toronto, maybe with the second team, I thought about that because there's a huge market, but their Leaf fans are so diehard that they wouldn't be able to have No, I mean, even if you somehow managed to get the loyalty for a second team, you would have no fans left because they'd all kill each other. Exactly. So I am going to say Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, hear me out. I'm hearing. This is the area that I'm from, Appalachia. We don't have hockey. That's just straight up. There's youth hockey in like our biggest city. And that's it. That's the only place in like West Virginia you can play hockey. But also that's true for Kentucky and Lexington is that city. Um, I think if we're going to grow the game, we grow the game 
where it has never touched before. We take hockey to the Appalachian Mountains. Wow. That's bold, and I like it. Okay, with my fifth and final pick, I am going to go for Providence, Rhode Island. I thought Providence would come up before this, honestly. No, I think, you know, Boston is right there, and I would rather put, like, the Hartford Whalers in first. But I Mm -hmm. think Providence has, like, it has such a thriving culture. It's got a college right there, and it's, you know... It's where it's cold, which is hockey, hockey country, as they say. But like, <laughs> I just think, you know, you've got like this great city, this great opportunity. And why not bring some hockey into it? Yeah, I mean, also, you have the Providence Bruins, like the Bruins AHL team there. So like, you've already got like a hockey culture. Right. All right. So that was our draft of expansion cities. We definitely covered a lot of bases there. I think, honestly, we covered all the main ones and then also some curveballs. And speaking of curveballs, it is time to talk about free agency. Oh, man. I mean, listen, this year has there haven't been any like huge star players up as UFAs or anything. But that doesn't mean free agency hasn't been wild already. Mm-hmm. I think some of the like ones that were the most crazy were not the ones that were shocking. It was kind of the ones that were like, oh, like that happened? Like <laughs> kind of the outlandish ones. I mean, um, it's during free agency, but like the trade of like Pat Maroon for a seventh round pick. <laughs> yeah. Like how are you disrespecting that man like that? He has so many rings. Oh, man. I mean, for me, like when it comes to free agency, I'll go crazy if I try to follow every trade. So I try to like, first of all, players I like Zucker to the Coyotes. Absolutely devastating for me. Um, My Jewish king, we will miss him so, so much on the Penguins. But also like looking at which teams are building. Like if you look at, for example, the Coyotes, I mean, they've pulled over Zucker, Galchenia, Kerfoot, like they're actually like they could be cooking yeah and I've heard whisperings that they're pursuing uh Matt Dumba too yeah I mean like they're definitely they're not being idle this free agency which is you know something to take note of also we mentioned the Red Wings earlier I mean they are putting together like a hell of a team over there oh my god yeah like I don't know what they're cooking (laughs) but like they're cooking something um yeah I think another one that was really crazy to me was Eric Johnson going to Buffalo oh I'm really happy about that I mean for one thing like from a purely hockey perspective the Sabres need more veteran presence Mm -hmm. especially on the D line on like on the blue line they have some really, really talented young defensemen, but they're literally just not at a level where they know the game well enough to to be ready for everything. And I think having a guy there like EJ, who's like, I always think he's older than he is, which is, I think, like an optical illusion by those <laughs> fucking teeth. But like, I mean, he's absolutely a veteran. He's got, you know, a cup with the Avs and he's played with them through some of their worst years. And I think that like, having that presence and and that background and knowledge will be great for the Sabres. And I think another team that is cooking is Mr. Kyle Dubas and the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're talking Lars Eller, Ryan Graves, 
He's signing some long contracts, though. Not with everyone. There's, you know, a lot of one or two years in there, but Graves to a six-year, Jari to a five-year, and Achiari to a three-year. Those are mm-hmm. all, like, you know, that's it's nothing to sneeze at. And I'm not going to say I'm not happy about it. I, I love Ryan Graves. It devastated me that he was on teams I did not even care a little <laughs> bit about. I love Jari. I think, you know... He's definitely, he has issues with injuries, but I think people think he's a worse overall goalie than he is because of the amount of time Mm -hmm. they make him play injured. Um, But it's like, I mean, six is a lot of fucking years. (laughs) Well, it's like, I can see like what Kyle is up to. Like I can see, okay, our core is aging. They're going to retire in the next couple of years, which like I can't imagine a hockey world without Sidney Crosby, but it's coming. Um. And you've got to get these guys in kind of in the back end and the third, fourth line now. And so when they're at halfway to the end of their contracts, they can take these places as these players kind of get older and move on. And I think it's really smart to do that now, get them in your culture, get them playing with your team rather than just like coming out swinging the year Cindy Crosby like retires and trying to find that guy. absolutely I mean you've got to plan ahead what I'm wondering though is like are they gonna make another really strong playoff push before we lose Crosby I think with the amount of like one and two year contracts he's signing I think Dubas is like he's really gonna try for it I think there's a lot of teams where like as their core ages they're sort of like not that they give up on the playoffs but they work on like building sort of their younger core like almost pretending that their aging core is gone already but to Mm -hmm. me it looks like the pens are still ready to run with the two-headed monster as long as it keeps you know putting up numbers yeah and I mean if you even look at the Bruins and like kind of the team they built kind of for Patrice Bergeron that shit worked that was the fucking best season that anyone's ever had yeah and it, I mean, it didn't work out. That first round happened the way it happened. But they built the best team they could to get Bergeron that last cup. Um, and then teams that haven't been doing so well in free agency. Uh, for one thing, the Canucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they have more cooking. Well, I hope. I. They've lost a lot of players. They bought out Oliver Ekman Larson and what was love him, but still a smart move. But they haven't signed that many players, which is not a great look considering how weak their defense is and has been. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with the Minnesota Wild. They've let go of a lot of guys that they needed to let go of. But none of the guys that they gave... um, qualifying offers to have signed zero of them i mean with the canucks you know they've actually they've they only re-signed one player so far um a lot of the rest they didn't make qos to which you know i'm not gonna say it was a bad idea but they're definitely either gonna have to make a lot of you know trades or signings like pretty soon or they're going to have to start pulling up their prospects. And Mm -hmm. they have an excellent pool of prospects, but the Canucks organization is so fucking bad at development. (laughs) Like, 
I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, I definitely kind of like there's been a pattern that I've been noticing with these teams like Minnesota technically has the best prospect pool in in, like the league. They can't develop them. And the ones that do develop, obviously, like they get pulled up for playoffs and they do well, but they can't produce reliably in the NHL yet, which fine, like development, that's what they're, that's what development's for. Um, But like, you guys are running out of time and money to make a change here. Right. Like you've got to, you've got to start doing something or you're going to waste these guys. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so some retirements, I know Mr. Thomas Grias, um, announced a retirement today. Thank God. <laughs> Good fucking riddance. Um, Nazis shouldn't get paychecks. That's all I'm going to say on that. Um, but some other like crazy things, fucking Michael Bunting, not coming back to the Maple Leafs. Yeah. He's gonna be in Carolina. I mean, good for him getting his paycheck, but like again, the Leafs are not looking that good. No, and it's really interesting to let your like one of your top guys that has such good chemistry with these other guys go like that. Right. I mean <laughs> they seem they seem to be like very convinced, you know, like the core four was not putting up the points they needed during the playoffs, but like, I don't know if they've yet actually identified the source of that problem or not. Well, it's like, I love Ryan Reeves signing. Him's not going to change that. Like signing Bertuzzi is all that that's going to do is really piss off Bruins fans. He's going to stay there for a year, like slap in some really nice feeds from Marner and like Matthews and then go take a fat paycheck somewhere that can afford to give him that. Mm -hmm. Like the, the thing about the Leafs is that like their star players are so good that they can't afford any depth. Yeah. And I, I struggle with the Leafs because I I'm a Leafs fan. Um, they also signed John Klingberg from the Minnesota Wild, and he's not solving any issues. He's a talented player, but he is not like solving their depth issues. He's an older guy. Um, he's not like super old, but like he's not like a young center to like take charge here. <laughs> Right. And it's like, I get, you know, I mean, a large part of this issue rests on the fact that they just don't raise the salary cap ever, Mm -hmm. which is like, okay, like, there's just no way these teams are going to be able to keep affording good players. But at the same time, it's like, some teams have depth, like a little depth, like a teeny tiny bit of depth. Even if it's just one position that they're really strong with, they have at least some depth somewhere. Right, and the Leafs just don't. Like, it's first, like, starting line, and it's done. (laughs) I do feel concerned about the fact that I haven't heard whisperings about Phil Kessel, and I think that might be us seeing the last of Phil Kessel. I mean, not the worst note to retire on, I'll say that. No, absolutely not. Um, But... That's like that original like Pittsburgh Penguins that I fell in love with as a kid. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, his retirement is going to be 
devastating. Like, I think, I think it's probably time, you Mm -hmm. know, like, I think this is around, if I were Phil Castle, this is about when I'd retire based solely on career trajectory. I know nothing about his personal life, (laughs) but like, I don't, it's the end of a fucking era, man. Yeah, it feels like that door is starting to close on that era of the Penguins. Because, I mean, even Flower, like Marc-Andre Fleury, this is, he's basically said that this next season is his last season. Yeah, I it's it's just sad. Um, I also want to make a note about Jonathan Quick, who has been on a road trip this year. Oh. Um, he ended up with the Rangers, which... I just can't picture him as a ranger. I just can't. Well, you're going to have to. You're going to have to get used to that one. Um, but he's been on a hell of a road trip since the trade deadline. I Most undefeated it. Blue Jackets goalie in history. <laughs> uh, top 10 things to do in Ohio. One, leave. leave. <laughs> um, I think there's like not like a huge amount of like players that went to teams that it's going to like feel weird to see them on. Obviously, Michael Bunting, he's always going to be a leaf in my mind. Um, I Jonathan Quick, he's he's not a Golden Knight. He's not a Ranger. That's just not who he is. Um, I think it's hilarious that they broke up the Stahl brothers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like um, Philadelphia's cooking something toxic. <laughs> I. I don't even want to know what's going on over there. Like, you got a, like, horribly, like, mean coach. You fucking, you had to, you traded, or you gave away one homophobe, and then you took another one into Phyllis' spot. They just, they've got to keep the the slurs per 60, like. Right, they've got a quota to meet here. I think, um, also, Garnett Hathaway being in philadelphia very interesting like not the man that liked the anti-biphobia tweet leave him all out of this oh my god he's such a king he's so respectful that disastrous interview with the flyers pr team caught on a hot mic she's been there for like a week yep um yeah so like that's sort of basic overview on free agency. I'm sure, you know, both of us could say lots more on it, but we'll keep it to that for now. You know where to find us if you have more questions. <laughs> uh, and we're sort of going to, you know, finish up with our last draft game, which, you know, as per the actual theme of this podcast, straight people who would be great queer people. I do want to make a note that we are not speculating on these people's sexuality. We are 100% accepting them as straight people. Um, this, which is, they just like have the vibe that they would do really well as a gay person. I just want to say this is based on publicly available information, what they've publicly stated. So if, you know, at a later date, they sort of, they change their identity or they change their public identity, we support them in that too. We are explicitly not accusing these people of queer baiting. We just think that they'd be successful. We just think they have the vibes. All right. Um, so I'm going to pick first again, thanks to our not at all rigged actually draft lottery. 
Um, <laughs> and I'm going to go right for it with a very, very hard-hitting, strong first pick in Mitchell Marner. He would do well. I think that he would be very adored by the queer community. He, he already is. is. The <laughs> amount of people who have been like full on, like in disbelief when I told them that he's like engaged to a woman is. <laughs> I mean, I was shocked too. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's like if you didn't know he was a hockey player and you just saw like his Instagram, you wouldn't like question that. If you like were like, yeah, he's engaged to a man, I would be like, okay, good for him. Okay. Yeah, sounds legit to me. <laughs> like, Okay, so my first pick is not hockey, but is Eric Stone Street, who is the actor from Modern Family. He plays a very, very loving husband to a man in that show. And I really was shaken to my core when I found out that he was gay for pay. And he I'm saying that he's gay for pay because he calls himself that. I'm not like making fun of him. Oh god. Okay. Next straight person who would be a great queer person. Again, like this is this is a bold pick. I'm gonna come out strong from the gate. My father. Oh okay yeah <laughs> like all I'm saying is that he has very close friendships with men. He has very vibrant shorts. He has very vibrant shorts. He can do an <laughs> impressively convincing limp wrist. And he's going to listen to this episode. Sorry, Teo. <laughs> I forgot that he was going to listen to this. Hey, dude, how are you? <laughs> um. So my second pick, and I'm coming out swinging here and this might be my my controversial pick Sidney Crosby yeah I just think he's got the vibes of like an awkward 30 year old bachelor but yeah. like in a gay way yeah um he's definitely just a very private person that like enjoys women but I mean I think he'd do really well. I think he'd clean up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> Is that all you have to say about Sidney Crosby? <laughs> I, he's so, like... He's, like, 30-something in a profession when most guys get married at 21. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he's rich. Okay, he's rich, he's famous, and he's cute. Yeah, like so, like he's... he should be locked the fuck down, and he's not. And for that reason, he would make an excellent gay guy. Have you, um, you've read Check Please, the like graphic yes. novel? He's very Jack coded. Yeah, and like I'm sorry if you real. haven't read that, but like he is. He's very like hockey is like his first true love. Yeah. All right, let's hear that third pick. Yeah, my third pick, um, this one is coming from my background as, as a New York Jew. I'm going to go with Jason Alexander, better known as George Costanza from Seinfeld. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that one makes like, a lot of sense. <laughs> no, like, like I just think, like, he would be ready to to be a gay man. 
Like if, if something happened to him and he became like he some divine act made him a gay man, he would be ready for it. He would be prepared. I completely agree. Um, so my third pick is better known for being an ex of Taylor Swift currently, but I know him as a star of Brokeback Mountain, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. He was very convincing. Yeah. I don't care if that man's a good actor. I thought he was in love with that other man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. Like, if you're in Brokeback <laughs> Mountain, you're, you're ready. You're prepared. Exactly. Okay. Uh, my fourth pick is a little bit of a timely one. I have to go with Ryan Gosling. <gasps> oh, Yeah. Like I think, I think bisexual. Whole, yeah, I think his whole like Ken Kennergy thing that he's doing on this Barbie tour is like it's giving fruity. I think he's having a lot of fun with it. I think he'd enjoy being gay. Right. I think it would be good for him. Yeah. Speaking of people it'd be good for, my number four pick is my ex-boyfriend Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, tell us more. <laughs> um so gender happened during that relationship and ben wasn't down with it i think that could have been a very loving relationship if he was a gay man i'm mm. just saying yeah um and you know what he was fruitier than i was <laughs> so like i don't know what battle we were fighting here ben but get with the program yeah, yeah i get it i get it Okay, uh, for my my fifth pick, I'm going to do that guy I saw on Tinder the other day who I really thought was a trans man, <laughs> but turned out to just be cis. Yeah, that like, was a very, like, gorgeous man. And, like, he had eyes. He had pretty eyes. Yeah, like, Marcy's seen this guy. I know you guys <laughs> have not. I will obviously not be sharing any identifying information about him. But let me just say, I was like... Damn, his surgery healed up nice. He did not get top <laughs> surgery, guys. Cis guy. Yeah, you sent me the picture and I zoomed in. And I was like, oh, he must have gotten keyhole. Oh, I mean, okay. good for him. He's beautiful. I would love to look like that. He should yeah. try it. Dabble. Um, <laughs> my fifth pick, Misha Collins. I think it would have changed the trajectory of a lot of people's lives. I mean, he's already come out, like, twice accidentally, like, and then walked it back. Like, um, I just think it would have made things simpler in 2015. I have to say, I'm glad that he's not, because it would have been a dark, dark time for the internet. It was already a dark time for the internet. But imagine how much worse it would have been if Misha Collins was openly bisexual not that I would ever, world. to be clear, encourage someone to stay closeted, etc. Oh, yeah. Joke. However, I think it would sort of tear something in the fabric of the universe if Misha Collins were actually into men. <laughs> well, think about all the times he accidentally came out and how the world, like, tilted on his axis until he walked it back. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's a good pick. <laughs> I think... I think it would have consequences the likes of which we could not even conceptualize, which could be good or bad. 
I think we both had great picks. I like that we both picked people from like our like personal lives, even though that was not an expectation to do so. No, I was just like, you know, like, but they would be though, is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes like, you guys trust the us. You know. <laughs> All right. Um, well, that's our episode for the, today. Finally, one about hockey. Um, I hope you guys all enjoyed this, even though it's somehow slightly different from our usual puck pod fair. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome to come, you know, give us your thoughts on our draft picks, anything we might have missed in them, where you thought we went wrong, who dropped from your mock draft projections, etc. <laughs> we always love hearing from y'all. If you would like to learn more or to interact with us on Twitter, where we reside, um, you can follow us at Game Misconduct, that's game with a Y. And if you interact with our tweets, we will interact back and we would love to hear from you and to hear your thoughts and to hear anything you'd like us to discuss in the future. Just come hang out. We'll see you there.